0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals podcast. I'm your host, Harley. Joining me today is journalist, author and running enthusiast, Darren Ann Finn. You know, normally when I have a guest on, we'll talk about them exploring the world of a certain subject. And of course, I'm being metaphorical when I'm saying that. But in today's case, our guest is both metaphorically and literally taking us through the world of of running. Through his books and articles, Adanand has quite literally travelled around the globe, exploring running through various cultures. We touch upon that, we touch upon his personal journey with running, what he's learned about himself in the process, and where you can begin if you're interested. So, without further ado, let's get to today's conversation. This is Running with and Finn. Hello Darren and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hey, nice to be here. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar with yourself, you're quite known, well-known, I should say, in the world of running. So I thought I'd invite you on because I was having a look at your website and podcast and other things. And it's a subject that I, th- I think all of us at one time or another have dabbled perhaps in running, but it's safe to say you've taken it to some pretty uh, amazing extremes and i'd love to talk all about that so before we sort of get into any of that i want to know from your point of view how did you first start with running what kind of generated your interest with it
1: yeah so i did actually start running a long time ago i was i was like the the, the one kid at school who enjoyed cross-country running so uh, we got actually my first school we didn't have any kind of organized sport at all so i was about 11 i was sent to a new school and uh, we all got sent out on this cross-country run and I didn't really know what was going on but I found it very easy, I won the race everyone else was collapsed on the floor around me I thought, oh, I'm quite good at this <laughs> Right? I, like, the teacher was even holding me up in, as an example he's going, look, he's not even breathing I remember him saying <laughs> I was saying, well, I'm breathing but not, yeah, it's, it's quite easy and right. so then I, I, was, I got into it a couple of years later I won the sports day a couple of times I broke the school record and then my dad called up a running club and sent me to the running club, and that became my kind of thing in, in teenage life. I was—I uh, had, I had other hobbies, but running was my big thing. I do a lot of races at the weekend, uh, and then I went to university. I got a bit distracted from it, and then I was just a kind of hobby runner from about 19 to about 35. So all my kind of peak years, as, as they would have been if I had been a serious runner, I was running once a week, maybe twice a week, sometimes not for two or three weeks. Every now and then I'd dust off my my spikes and join a running club, but it never lasted more than a couple of months at best. Uh, Yeah, and then when I was about 35, I guess, I think it may have been going to what, I was living in London at the time, and I went to watch the London Marathon. And I was really moved by it, by the effort of all these people going by. And I just, I kind of had this sense like, oh my God, my running, my running was my thing, and now I'm so removed from this. And I, I should be out there, I should be doing that. And so I didn't immediately want to do a marathon, but I wanted to get back into running. Uh, I guess there was a slight element, perhaps a midlife crisis thing, going on. Like <laughs> I'm getting old. It wasn't so much like I wanted to be young again, but I suddenly thought, in terms of running, I'm, you know, I'm going to be too old to run these kind of. I I always thought I'd come back to running at some point, and suddenly time was slipping away. So I ended up joining a running club. And by then I was a journalist, so I started writing articles for Runners World magazine, which helped justify. Some, some I had a wife and three small children. So, in terms of justifying the time out of family life, it was my job. So I kind of had to go, I had to do the races, had to write about them. But then of course I had to train to be able to do the races. And that kind of built uh until I had this kind of idea to write about the Kenyan runners. And I'd always been obsessed with Kenyan runners as a child because. They were kind of, partly it was the way they ran. They'd turn up and they'd run this erratic way, quite a maverick way. Like they wouldn't just do even pace every lap. They'd they'd sprint off suddenly and then they'd slow down and they'd look at each other and then they'd kind of push on ahead. I was always like, what, what what's going on? Why are these? And they were obviously very good as well. They were winning all the races or lots of the races. And so I was kind of fascinated and I was looking around for a book on them. Uh, and also, I was a journalist who was writing feature articles and and had this idea I'd like to write a book. Uh, and then when I just realized nobody had written this book about the story of the Kenyan runners and, and who they were and what their lives were like, I just uh, like a twinkle in my eye. I thought, OK, this could be this could be the this could be the book idea I was looking for. So I managed I, over a period of quite a few years, to be honest, managed to get a publisher to give me some money to go and live in Kenya for six months and write a book about it which is what I did. So that was my first book that became very popular. And then suddenly I was being asked to write about running all the time. And I was becoming fully embedded in the world of running and which was great because I, you know, I loved running. Uh, Then I ended up going to Japan and writing a book about Japanese running, another six months in Japan. And then I took on the world of ultra running, which is running very long distances. Uh, And the furthest I ran was about 105 miles in, in one go. So I did. I did actually did a longer race, but it was over three days, where this was just in, in one stretch in in the Alps around. It's called the UTMB, the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, and it goes through three. It goes starts in Chamonix in France, and goes and this big loop around Mont Blanc goes through Italy and Switzerland. And it's pretty much up and down as you can imagine in the mountains and uh, pretty hard 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 going. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much up to date. And so all three books are out there. And they've done very well, so people have, you know, I get invites to, you know, I don't know, running events (laughs) of all sorts, and so I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite well known in the running world now as an author. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Okay, let's uh, have a. I'd encourage people to go and check out your website because, as you said, you've got your books, your events. Uh, I've got one of them actually queued up on Audible because that's pretty much my go-to for books now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're all on Audible. I only read the last one. The first two I didn't read, but it was quite Mm. fun reading there. The
0: third one, yeah. yeah. So sort of sticking with that then, because that's quite an extreme, really, isn't it? Like you said, most of us probably probably do what you were looking to do in the early days, which is we'll go and join a club or maybe sign up for a 5K or a marathon, just sort of, you know, have a goal, push ourselves. But to go and immerse yourself in a culture of running, I mean, what, what was that like going into someone like Kenya, for example, as you said, where a lot of Olympic medalists come from? That must have been quite an eye-opener for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was quite naive in a way sometimes i look back and i think god if i if i'd really thought about it i might have been put off the idea but i just kind of had this sense of adventure at that point in my life where uh, i just kind of felt like i'm just going to go there and, and somehow i'll deal with what i need to deal with so like when i went to japan when i arrived in japan i had nowhere to live i had no contacts i didn't know where to begin to find these runners uh, at least in kenya i knew there was this town i'd read about this town which was kind of it's a town of about forty thousand people, so like a a small town, uh, and there's about two thousand professional athletes living in this one town. And so I knew if I went there, I had a pretty good chance of finding the runners. But then there was the question of how do I how am I going to run with them? Because, uh, you know, I was a f- fairly good runner by local English standards. <laughs> right. So I'd, I'd actually won a fairly big local ten k in Devon where I live. So I, I had a slightly inflated sense of my my abilities. But you know, <laughs> even if you're like a, an international runner, there's a guy who's just written a book about Ethiopia, and he's a he he was like in the British team at, at cross country and had run a two-hour twenty marathon. And yeah, he was his story is kind of similar to mine. Unless you're at like Mo Farah's level and you're British, you're gonna struggle with the Kenyan. So I was just like a local club runner guy. So so I had this. All these kind of problems, which I hadn't even really thought about, I guess. Mm. Uh, and, and I just dived in, I just dived in, and, and they all kind of resolve themselves. So the, the running angle, for example, is, it turns out the Kenyans are really, So one thing that surprised me about them is they run their easy runs. So they do hard runs and easy runs. And the easy mm-hmm. runs, they do super slow, super relaxed. Like for them, it can be, barely be an effort, but it's what they call a recovery run. Right. so i would join them on these easy runs and actually it was it was fine we could chat and i could run along chatting with them and then there was some comedy value in me attempting to keep up on the fast runs and not lasting very long but doing my best and they're all you know cruising and i'm like killing myself and uh but yeah i mean i mean you know, there's endless a- insights into into those cultures i mean they're very different the kenya and japan almost like polar opposites. I almost feel like in, in England we're kind of somewhere in the middle of these two quite extreme cultures. You know, everyone in, in Kenya is very relaxed, very welcoming. So you uh you just have to run down the street at six in the morning in, in a ten in, in, in this town in Kenya. And somebody will come, oh run with me, come and run with me. And before you know it, you're having tea in their running camp and they want to bring you back to their family home and just, you know, you're just swept up by them. Where in Japan, it's and it's, it's just everything is much more formal. Like you can't even if you meet the guy who's the captain of the team, he can't just invite you in. He's got to ask his boss, and then his boss has got to ask his boss, and this can take a long time. And then maybe the the boss is, uh, I don't know, someone in the company wants to meet you, and you know, it just it was it was a, a real effort from that point of view to get getting these teams, and they're very professional in Japan as well, which means they're very serious. Right. So everything's everything's like you know and, and in some ways my books are kind of a reflection of the culture so I saw they're not just about running so my book about Kenya it's almost like you're looking at Kenya through this window rather than the safaris or the poverty or the some something else the landscape you're looking at it through this window of running which is an unusual window to look at Kenya and the same with Japan looking at Jap- Japanese cultures coming out through this through this world of running and 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 obviously the two things of strongly connected. So, yeah, so there were loads of insights and, you know, the books the books are full of them. But and then ultra running was a whole new world entirely, not a geographical world, but a kind of subculture within running. And the same thing, you know, you, you learn, you meet people who surprise you. I had a kind of central quest in each book. The first book was, why are they so good, the Kenyans? The second book, the Japan, what, you know, what's going on in Japan? Nobody knows about Japanese running. Uh, and then with the ultra running, is, is ultra running, it's why are people doing this? I mean, what's the appeal? What's the, you know, because it's on the face of it, it's a stupid thing to do, and quite a painful and torturous thing to do.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally. I, I think actually, it might be my cousin I was talking to you about this, and I didn't realize that this world existed, yeah, that ultra running. And as you say, 105 miles in a single stretch. I mean, but yeah did you figure out why
1: people put themselves through that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's not really one reason. I mean, there's lots of people Mm. who've got different reasons, but I think at the base of it all is this, there's a a real intensity in the experience. So they call it type two fun, where it's not necessarily fun at the time, but when you look back on it, you feel like you've been through something quite momentous and and you feel like you've perhaps grown as a person and, and learned something. and so there you know, there's a they call it the pain cave which sounds terrible and i never found i found that like that was a slightly odd description because you're not really in pain you're just in pure exhaustion but 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 you're halfway up a mountain and you've got to keep going because it's cold and if you don't you're just going to stay on the mountain i mean you can drop out and lots of people these races have huge dropout rates i mean often up to 50% of the field don't finish so there's always that pain on the back of your mind. But if you're going to keep going, if you're going to persevere, you have to go through some pretty tough times. And to go through those tough times and come out the other side is a real challenge. It's almost like you just get really close to the rawness of being a, a human being, kind of away from the comfort of you know the modern world and you know everything being nice and easy. Suddenly everything's hard. and. It's a bit like, you know, when you go on a go on a holiday and everything goes wrong and, and at the time it's really terrible and annoying, but afterwards you've got way more stories than if you've just been on a holiday and sat by the beach. You know, you've got so much more to say and and almost it's more interesting in a weird way. So there there's there's a lot from there's a lot to be gained from just doing something really tough, really difficult, really intense. Uh, I mean, there are other reasons. Some people do it for the landscapes. People love the nature, so a lot of these races are in mountains or deserts, and people like kind of being lost in in in, in nature. But some of them just happen. I did one just on a running track in London. You go round around the running track for 24 hours on a running track. So, wow. But in a weird way, that's there's a still there's a huge experience there because you kind of it, when you're in the mountains, you've got this challenge of getting over the mountain and and it's kind of you versus the mountain and can you get through this challenge where on the running track it's just you with yourself and it's almost a kind of meditative experience and i found when you came through those really tough times and you came out the other side which usually happened before the end of the race so i almost all my races followed a similar pattern where i got this real crisis point where i'm really struggling where i don't want to carry on i want to give up and I don't know how I didn't give up in any of the races even though I was so certain I was giving up in most of them but something always conspired to force me along and then I kind of come out the other side and you come out into this really wonderful space where you kind of reborn energy wise but also mentally and spiritually as well not not fully but you kind of have this new sense of the world everything is right and to the point where you get to the finish and I had this numerous time not every race but Quite often, you get to the finish, and although you've been struggling and it's been going on for like sometimes two days now, you've been running solid for two days. You're exhausted and everything. You, you've just got to the point where you come through the other side, and you're enjoying it so much. You're kind of disappointed to finish. You kind of want to carry on. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, and I think once you reach that state, there's something appealing about that. You kind of, kind of come through so much to a state of almost peace. That you just then when once it's over and the, the dust settles, you think, "Oh, I quite fancy getting back to that point, even though it was quite hard to get there." So I don't know if that answers the question because it's it's quite a, it's quite complex, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, you've written a whole book on it, so of course, I you know, encourage yeah. people to go and check that out, and I'll certainly be listening to to kind of get more of an insight on it. I um, well, I like what you said there. This idea of kind of persevering in almost like you kind of touched on it there. I was thinking, I can imagine once you've done something like that, something that seems almost that impossible, that you come out the other side, and then uh, am I right in thinking that helps kind of give you perspective perhaps in other areas of life? You know, you can almost comically think, actually this doesn't seem that hard because I just ran 105 miles, so you know, filling out a tax form or whatever, is <laughs> these things in life that we like to make big mountains out of, you kind of look at, you can perhaps look at with a different perspective and go, well, I've endured real hardship, so this is, yeah. this will be fine. And th- does that sort of, do you find that now you're perhaps a little bit more zen almost in, in your yeah. day-to-day life?
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, I do find it's starting to wear off. It's about two years since I did my last ultra run. But when I was right. in the midst of them all, I definitely had that and. I remember one time there was a huge snow storm and I was working in London. I got back to, I live in Devon and I go back to my train station and, and the snow was so thick, there were no taxis, there was no way of getting home. And everyone was kind of in this massive panic and trying to call people, but no, we can't get there. And I was just like, totally, this is like nothing. And I just, I just strode off. I just, it was about three miles through the countryside, but I had, it, didn't, it seemed nothing to me to stride off, walk three miles in the snow. It was quite fun. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just a warm-up really. <laughs> <laughs> but I have quite a funny story of my uh my very first ultramarathon marathon. so I hadn't done it at this point I I was uh, a desert marathon in Oman and I was actually I got commissioned to write about it for the Financial Times so I turned up we turned up at the airport at about I think it was about 11 o'clock at night in Oman and in the, there weren't many flights into Oman so there were about 30 people on this flight who were going for the race so from all over the world had kind of ended up on this flight. And so we all arrived. And so we were met by one of the guys from the race. And he said, we kind of, he, he gave us a little talk. And he said, well, the bus is coming at six in the morning. So just, you know, just wait around in the airport till then. I was like, so, see, that's 11 o'clock at night. That's seven hours. You just want me to sit in the airport for seven hours. And I, yeah. and also because I'd been told from the FT, we were going to be taken off to a nice hotel. I was particularly irate because I'd been looking forward to the hotel and I started getting quite irate with him. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and then I was mm. getting to the point and saying, you know, I'm, I'm from the FT here. You can't, you know, you can't leave me. And I turned around for support from the rest of the runners to see what they were thinking about it. And none of them were there. And I was like, what? Right. And they'd all basically heard that bit of news, thought, okay, i just gone off. And I walked around the airport and they were all like putting sleeping bags and roll mats down and going to sleep ah. without any, any queries <laughs> at all. <Amazing>. So, <laughs> So I was like, oh, God, so maybe this is what happens when you're an ultra runner. And I think mm. after my ultra runs, it being that same situation, I would have done the same thing. I would thought, okay, a few hours in an airport. I mean, it's kind of luxury compared to what we're about to face.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get that perspective. That's wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny.
0: <laughs> no, I like that. And um, I, I think I can see the appeal as well, this idea of what you said earlier, like sort almost finding out what you're made of. If you're yeah. in that moment where you're halfway through you're like 50 miles in and you've got another 50 to go and imagine you're aching and tired and you're thinking oh what's you, you but as you say you get that moment where you want to give up but you don't i imagine that must be quite enlightening that might feel quite nice to sort of say oh this is almost like you're getting to know yourself all over again you get to find out what you're really made of
1: yeah yeah and it's quite challenging because you get to a point i definitely got to points where i would have dropped out if it hadn't been for circumstances, uh, various circumstances, uh, and because I didn't and I got to the end I felt very pleased with myself, but I, but you get to a point where you kind of, you're so tired that you almost, you're, you're kind of staring, it's a difficult moment because it's so easy to drop out, I often, like, I've heard people compare it to like, you know, childbirth for example you know the pain of childbirth and the, and the endurance but the difference with childbirth is you don't have a choice so you've yeah. just got to keep going but with um, ultra running you've always got this thing that players on your mind like you don't have to be here i don't have to do this yeah, yeah i can stop and that makes it more difficult in a way because and so what they talk about is they say you've got to have before you start the race you've got a really good reason why you're going to carry on because you're going to get to that point and just your own Ego is not going to be strong enough because your own ego is going to get destroyed. So just the fact that I want to be tough, I want to show myself that I can do it, is not, is not actually what carries you through. Usually it's having a good reason. So maybe somebody's running for somebody in the memory of somebody. Or I had a couple of races. So my had this kind of narrative art with the book, but I was going to run this big race at the end of the book called the UTMB. And I had to qualify for this race. And so this whole project wasn't going to work if I didn't get the points to qualify for this race. And to qualify for it, you had to finish certain races. So some of the races I was doing were vital that I finished, and others were less vital. I mean, they were just a race in itself. And I found it was much easier to carry on on those ones where I had to finish. Otherwise, I couldn't run this race, which was was my big plan, is what I was aiming for. Because I had this reason, this reason I had to get the points. Even if I was struggling, I said, yeah, but I can't think about giving up. And I think if you're doing it for, you know, raise money for people and, and you kind of feel like, you know, you've got that reason or you, I, whatever reason, I, maybe you failed that race before. I think a lot of people drop out of a race and then they go back and they've almost got that reason is like, I I want to not do what I did last time, but, and they call it the why So you've got to have, you know, your trainers and your backpack and your head torch and your why, that's just what people say. You've got to have your why, which is in your bag ready for that moment you pull it out and go no no we have to run this we have to finish because for saying that i i did finish a few races where i didn't have a y uh and so there is there can be a stubbornness as well i think that's quite a useful uh yeah a useful attribute for an ultra runner it's just the kind of yeah and i guess ego plays a bit of a role you you know you think about sitting in the cafe the next day and everyone's walking you get these a lot of these races especially in europe you get this finisher's gile that everybody wears around the town the next day it's, you can just see who's done the race ah, okay. if you're if you haven't finished and you're sitting there you feel pretty pretty glum yeah. about the fact you're sitting that you in don't shame yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah but so it's tough but but there's something good about coming through you then do feel like well I'm I'm tougher than I thought maybe especially in that moment where I thought I couldn't carry on and I did yeah maybe there's more you know maybe I've got more strength than I realized which is quite a nice thing to think
0: yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's funny, it just kind of takes me back to a really early episode I did last year with um, a guy called Jordan Syatt, who's like a fitness coach. He did powerlifting for a while, and we talked a bit about that. And he talks about this idea of competition with yourself, you know, and in mm-hmm. weight training, it's that thing of it's just you and the bar and nothing else, Yeah. you know, and you sort of, obviously, you get better each time. So imagine with something like ultra running, as you're building up to it, as you're doing more and more maybe that could be a part of it as well is this idea of of beating your last record like you say you got i I gotta finish this race because i didn't finish the last one and sort of that can kind of spur people on so um yeah i i find that all really fascinating
1: yeah yeah i mean running unless you're at the elite level is pretty much like that at any level even if you're doing the park run people have their you know park run best time and they they want to you know they're quite i mean not everyone's gunning for it but maybe one day you feel good and you you know you want to do better than you did before yeah running's got that inbuilt kind of you're just really competing against yourself which is nice because you know it's a kind of little private battle you're having <laughs> with
0: yourself absolutely and i guess that's that's part of part of the appeal i mean what you said earlier as well caught my attention about people i know you've mentioned it before on your on your show People it kind of going into these things, whether it's a marathon, whether it's an ultra run, something challenging, especially in the Western world, because our lives are pretty comfortable for the most part. Like a lot of things are invented and and kind of advertised at making things easier at more mm. comfortable. And it gets to the point where you're almost numb. Like you've got so much, every nothing is yeah. effort anymore. So this idea of perhaps throwing yourself into the like the most extreme that you can <laughs>
1: almost yeah. just to see
0: if you can still do it and then sort of give yourself a break, give yourself something new and different.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's an innate, it's quite like you say, it's quite buried deep within us, but there's a kind of innate, not necessarily need, but uh, something in us comes alive when we're in, a, when in quite a wild, difficult situation. It's like It's like, oh yeah, this is what we're like, our bodies are designed to do, to deal with and to cope with. And uh, yeah, I think in some ways we need a bit of that in our life, you know, if everything's too easy you stuff, you just feel lethargic, you feel, you know, people start struggling to sleep, you know, when you when you're pushing yourself, I mean, you can go too far the other way. And I'm not saying necessarily being an obsessive ultra runner is necessarily the healthiest thing in the world, but having something like that, where you kind of get out there in, in the wilds, there's some there's something in you that compels you to get out there, basically, there's something quite attractive yeah. about it, which is weird, because we're kind of like you say we're kind of taught to think the more comfortable the better like the easier it is you know the nicer the car is the easy the, you know if you can get driven somewhere it's better than walking there uh and and just yeah life is so comfortable comfort is sold to us as a desirable thing but there is part something in us that desires difficulty and hardship as well weirdly and uh and particularly in the west yeah so i had this interesting Experience where I got a Kenyan runner over to run an ultra marathon. Kenyans generally don't run ultra marathons, and uh, and he was leading the race quite comfortably. It was a fifty mile race. He was thirty miles in, barely looked like he'd broken sweat. He was leading the race, and he said he had a sore toe, and he was going to drop out of the race. And I just I, I kept saying to him, but this is ultra running, and ultra running everything hurts, everything is painful. Yeah. You, this is what we do. This is what you got to get into. that you just got to accept that and push through it. And he was like, no, but I got a sore of toe. I can't, I can't run with a sore toe. And I guess, and then I saw the other guys in the race coming in and like they're overtaking, but they're like, you know, they have got, you know, blisters and cuts and like they're exhausted and and yet they're they're carrying on. And and but part of for most of those guys, that's the appeal. They're loving this. They're loving this struggle. where it, he had no desire to be in a struggle he, he wanted just wanted to run running was a was a was a kind of easy thing for him not a not a struggle and i think there's uh i mean it, it was these are only thoughts i was extrapolating from this one one episode but i just was wondering if you know maybe because he'd come from a quite a tough rural upbringing maybe he'd had enough struggle in his life and now he wanted <laughs> things to be a bit easier. Whereas we kind of the opposite, we kind of have hadn't had enough struggle in our lives. So we're kind of this is fun. Wow, finally we're struggling. We're out hurting and we're in the wilds and it's great.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think you're onto something there. Cause what you said before, about when you visited Kenya and obviously their culture around running is from what you said and what you've read, uh, written, sorry, it seems more like it's based around fun and recreation. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, as you say, you know, a lot of those countries, obviously, it can be quite hard to make a living. It, it's known that it's, it's a tough existence. So, as you said, that, that doesn't surprise me actually that he would get to a point mm-hmm. and go, no, "I'm not having fun anymore. Yeah, I don't want to do this." And, yeah, and that's, and, and that's the mindset around it. Whereas, yeah. like you say, for us, maybe because we're approaching it from that completely different angle.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, because in a marathon, I think you know, a good Kenyan athlete, he was a very good athlete would, you know, of course there's going to be a struggle in, in a marathon as well, but it's not going to be with twenty miles still to go. So I think he just thought, this is just not this is not my idea of fun, you know. I'm I do not know. Again, he didn't probably have a strong enough why because there was no prize money in this race. <laughs> and and it sounds sounds terrible, but you know, a Kenyan runner is doing it as a job. That's there. they they want, you know, they need to you know come to these races not just for fun like most of us they they come to earn some money for their families and everything else so so he he didn't have a good way either. so even the Kenyans need their way i think
0: yeah i can imagine so uh, sort of jumping over to a different country then you mentioned Japan then it's it must be quite a different culture so what was that like see, seeing that through the lens of a runner
1: yeah so Japan I mean, there is a whole kind of trail running world in Japan, but I was I was very much interested. There's this quite unique uh, professional running world in Japan. So companies have their own running team. So they're not just sponsoring them, but they actually, you know, the, the, the people who run for them are employed by the company. So people like Honda and Nissan have their own, their own running team, which is uh, basically a, a relay team. So they have these big uh, long-distance relay races called Ekidens in Japan, and they're huge. The last, uh, the the biggest one is called the Hakone Ekiden, and this year, it's on January the 2nd and 3rd. This year, apparently the TV audience was 65 million people watching it, so that's 50% of the population of Japan sat down for two days and watched the Hakone Ekiden, which is a 200 and some, 215 kilometer relay race. (laughs) So there's this fascinating world around the running in Japan uh, and and there's loads of interesting things going on there like the fact that they've turned running into a team sport is interesting because the Japanese are very socially minded like you know community minded so how you relate to your neighbors and your work colleagues and your you know running colleagues is more important than how you do on your own you know in these they're kind of they're kind of opposite to the kind of the, let's call it American, but slightly European as our well, ideal of like individualism, like you can be the best. You know, they would never go on about being the best. And, and you know, like the, the kind of narrative in lots of American Hollywood films is the underdog who's struggling, who's outcast, who comes out and proves himself and wins, you know, and comes and, and takes the glory. When Japan, it's more about the, it's the guy who's trying to go on alone and is failing. And it's only when he brings his, fellow companions together and they work it out as a team that's the kind of narrative so Mm. there's a whole kind of collectivism in japanese culture which is really in some ways is really lovely i mean it's like i mean it's a really kind of thoughtful you know it's a really safe place for that reason because people are all looking out for each other nobody wants to cause any trouble nobody wants to cause any offense if you get on a train in japan Nobody's talking on their mobile phone, for example. Everyone right. is polite. Everyone is considerate of other people. Yeah. Uh, and some of these things, this is kind of the way the running is reflective of, of the society. Uh, but it can have. I, I mean, I really drill down into it, and it can have all sorts of implications. Like there's this reluctance to take risks within a race because you don't want to show yourself up because uh, that kind of looks like a yeah, there's a there's a kind of a sense of everybody wants to fit in you know nobody wants to stand out i kept getting told this saying the nail that stands out the nail that sticks out gets hammered down this is a, oh. a very famous japanese saying that people kept mentioning to me and they said it related to ekiden running so you know you need a team where everyone is in harmony nobody's sticking up but it also meant in a race nobody wants to be the one who bombs off two miles into a marathon and then like yeah. it doesn't work and then they're like that's the nail sticking out, getting hammered in. Whereas the Kenyans have got no qualm about that. They're like they they just you know just going for it. Like I want to be mm. the champ. I don't care about the rest. You know. And and what's quite interesting and what was really fascinating is these uh, professional teams in Japan employ Kenyan and Ethiopian runners, and they were quite interesting. They had a completely different approach to the whole thing. They were they were they were part of the team, but really they were just there for themselves. You know, they were there. To, to do the best they could. And they they were, you know, that's not to say Kenyan people are selfish. I mean, they're very generous with their money. Kenyan runners were successful, send the money back, become, a lot of them set up schools and hospitals and all sorts of things with their winnings. But wow. when it came to the race, it was just, you know, every man for himself. And they couldn't get this idea that you had to be doing everything for the team. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, and then Japan had all sorts of other kind of difficulties for me as a as a westerner because these corporate teams in a way it'd be like a japanese journalist coming to england and trying to walk into liverpool and manchester united and going oh i'm here to write a book about you can i just come and train with you they'd be like right. so, you know stopped at the gate yeah. it was a little bit like that i'm I'm like just turning up after kenya where you could just turn up to the training camp where like david radisha the olympic champion and world record holder was and then the coach sees you and says, Oh, come in, you know, you want to run with us today? Okay, let's go, let's join in. That doesn't happen in Japan. You have, you know, like I say, you have to get permission, and and I did manage to get in, but with one of the professional teams anyway, but it was a whole process and and it was, you know, and, and, and so that process became part of the book because I felt like this was reflective of you know how things work in Japan and how how people are. Uh, and and I think it's it's re, you know Japanese society is really respectful, really considerate. But uh, when it comes to running, I think, yeah, they they it caused problems. I think I think they had this, uh, and and it's weird because I was there. It's interesting. I just you know the Olympics is in Japan this year. That's right. Yeah. And so there's been a whole kind of change in the way they approach running because. In Japan, without doubt, the biggest event in the Olympics will be the marathon by far. That's the one that they will all be glued to. And for you know, in, in the past, Japanese runners have won the Olympics in the marathon. They've had a good record in the in the marathon. And uh, but obviously, recent years it's been the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. So they're really desperate to to kind of uh, you know well get as close to winning it as as they can. And so I was there in about 2013, when this was just kind of looming on the horizon. And I've been reading, I've been following it quite closely. And it seems like a lot of the stuff I was talking about in terms of Japanese running, the fact that they were very much focused on the Ekidens, the fact that it was all about team spirit, the fact that you don't take risks in your running. There's this other thing, again, about not taking risks. They wouldn't run on the trails because they were frightened of tripping over, which is Right. Which. Is weird. So they do all their training on concrete, which in one way kind of makes sense. But what happens? if you run on concrete, it's harder, so you're more likely to get injuries. So in fact, they were kind of causing themselves more problems. But these kind of things I was writing about, I, I could sense a feeling of like we've got to change, we've got to open up. And Japan's also very insular looking. So they would they weren't looking outwards. They'd had this Japanese system for many years. They're very traditional. They, this is the Japanese way. But because the Olympics was coming out, they started looking out, they started seeing, I like to think they read my book. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah. But I never know. It's hard to tell how, how wide, widely read it was in Japan. Uh, it did come out in Japanese, but but I still don't know how if I had any influence at all. But I was kind of reflecting what was going on, and there were certain coaches who were starting to look outwards, look at the Kenyans, what are they doing? Oh, they're training on trails. That's interesting. And so the culture has gradually started changing and, and they they've been this year so far and, and the last year they've been posting some incredible results and, and i actually wouldn't be surprised too surprised if a japanese man or woman won the olympic marathon this year so there's a hot tip that they might surprise a few people this year they're, they're, yeah any bookies out
0: there
1: <laughs> yeah exactly i can't i can't tell you which of the japanese run the problem is yeah. that there's so many good japanese runners a bit like kenya they struggle to pick the team and what happens is, particularly as they all picked their teams last year when they thought the Olympics was happening and now they kind of feel on a bound to keep the same runners in, in the team. Whereas this year, there have been a whole new bunch of people turn up who are on much better form, but they're not even they're not in the team because it's the team from last year. So, ah, OK, uh, so hopefully the 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 guys from last year are, are just kind of keeping a low profile at the moment. And uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah. And they'll just surprise everybody. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but yeah, no, but they definitely, there's definitely been a change uh, since I was there, uh, which has been fascinating to see because it is a change I was talking about, but it was, it was, it was kind of struggling to find its roots because Japan's very traditional, very traditional, in, in, which is nice, again, in, in a society-wide way. It's like they're very, although it's a very modern country, they very much held on and, and maintained a lot of their traditions and, and you know, things like that. Uh, you know, the way way Japanese way of doing things and the diet, and you know, Japanese food is still very much Japanese food, and you know, the way people live is is a very particular way. Uh But when it comes to the running, I felt like, oh you guys, you know, you need, you need to look out because you're not doing it. You know, check these Kenyans out. they 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 know what they're doing. Copy them.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that would make sense in any kind of. Uh, sport or athleticism is you've got to keep an eye out on what the competition's doing and yeah. pick up different different points and different things. And bring it back over to sort of the UK then, so you've mentioned before that ours seems to be a bit of a, almost a mix then, of all these other cultures. So like we do run for fun, but we also, as we've touched upon, we do kind of like, almost like this sort of sadistic self-punishment side of it. <laughs> so... And I've noticed on your website, you organize a lot of events So running. What sort of events do you like to organize them for, for UK runners and how do you think they respond?
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my events are kind of, they're kind of real just, I, I think basically they're like training weekends. Uh, we call them retreats because they're really just a chance to get away from everything else and just be with a bunch of runners. Usually I'm quite encouraging people after my ultra running to get onto the trails. So. I live quite near Dartmoor National Park, so I do a few uh, running camps uh, on the Dartmoor National Park. And it's quite an easy place to get lost. It's quite an intimidating place to run because right. a lot of it looks quite similar and and, and the mists can come down and you can easily get lost. So a lot of people are wary about running up there on their own. So they come on our retreat and, you know, I talk about Japan and Kenya and Otarelli my experiences. And we have, uh, I'm throughout my three books as well, there's also this I go on this journey run, uh, learning about running form and running technique ah, okay. so, and how, how to run best because running is really people think you just put your shoes on and run. And, and if you're a Kenyan, yes, what well you do, because you've just already got good technique because you've spent your whole life running around and usually without any shoes on. So you've just got what would be, you know, you would run as our bodies were designed to run. But the rest of us who spent our lives sitting down, probably being inactive. Slouching, sitting on computers, our bodies have kind of lost the skill of running. Uh, and and if you put your shoes on and just run, your body will find a way to run. It will find a way to to get through it, but it won't be an efficient way of running. Generally, I mean, some people are lucky; they can just they can just yeah. And you you can you probably in your experience you know that some people you know just suddenly run and they're fine. Others are, find it a real struggle. And yeah. a lot of that is just finding your form and your technique and. And waking up parts of your body that perhaps have gone to sleep from years and years of uh lack of use and so i have a movement guy at my running camp so we we he, he's someone i kind of worked with through through all three books uh so we, so we talk about movement we practice movement also trail running is a skill in itself running down a hill on a you know rocky muddy slope i was when i first started my ultra running it was when i first started trail running as well and i was terrible I going down these mountains like it could be a 5k descent and I'd, I'd just be tiptoeing and holding on to things and everyone's flying by me like oh how are they doing that but by the end that was me I was I was one of the people flying by me which was and then it's such fun it's like one of the funniest things you can do in running is is have a great long descent on a, on a big mountain it's so so we, we learn about so it's about being in the wilds, learning about how to run you know just having a bit of fun we have great food so but it's not perhaps a typical thing that you know everybody in the UK is doing we kind of make it as nice as possible we have really nice food a really lovely house and just it's a bit of a treat really I wouldn't say it's typical of the UK running scene necessarily
0: well I think it sounds a bit more inviting actually yes yeah,
1: so <laughs> well well we do yeah we try and make the yeah we try and it's kind of a luxury weekend in in, in a way although then with, with a bit of struggle and uh, getting usually if you're on Dartmoor particularly getting quite wet and uh, it's quite funny because if we have really nice weather of course everybody's like delighted but I know from experience that if you have terrible weather people actually enjoy it more it's so weird you come back from the 10 mile run on a Sunday we did 10 miles on Sunday morning and if it's been a lovely day everyone comes back and they're fine that was lovely that was nice but when it's been driving rain you've been up on the moor you've been running and you come back so like a log fire and great food and tea everybody's just that much more buzzing with the with the with the kind of energy of the run it's quite interesting
0: yeah i guess that comes back to sort of what we were saying earlier about that whole like enduring a trial and, yeah. and you've got something at the end of it you can yeah. kind of it feels like you've earned the reward almost it's like quite primal in that way isn't it
1: yeah exactly exactly it's it's exactly that it's a, kind of on a nice small level because 10 miles is is mm. enough it's enough to kind of push you out of your comfort zone, particularly on Dartmoor. But it's not like 100 miles.
0: <laughs> yeah, no,
1: of course. So it's like a nice snapshot of, of what that feeling is.
0: I'm curious, you mentioned technique. So is where would you sort of recommend, perhaps somebody that's listening and thinking about getting into running? Is there any way you kind of recommend to look to sort of learn the proper technique or learn what kind of gear they're going to need? Because it's like anything, isn't it? I suppose you can easily fall down a rabbit hole and get yeah. very lost. So, what would you recommend people check out?
1: Yeah, it's very tricky actually because a lot of the things you might try can be counterproductive. So there was a whole period when the trend was what well they call barefoot running, but it was often with very shoes of very thin soles. Which would mimic barefoot running and the idea was that if you were running barefoot like the kenyans do growing up you will just your your bo- body will just instinctively run the right way and the idea was not to not to land on your heel but i then started seeing people running around i was living in london at the time and you see so many people running around running on their tiptoes because they read you shouldn't land on your heel and Sorry, that's what <laughs> well you know running kind of on this kind of it almost looked like a prancing pony but oh running wow on the- and I could see oh that that uh, there was a particular book Born to Run which wasn't really advocating this but kind of sounded like it was, and I could right. just oh that person's clearly just read Born to Run and is going to get injured because yeah you know so changing of running form is a very difficult thing to do and you really do need to uh, yeah employ some experts uh, and and so generally I would say to most people I I would almost say don't don't worry about it despite what i've said because i think unless you're going to go the whole hog and really find someone so i mean there's a couple of people there's uh the guy i work with he's he's called barefoot athlete on twitter so he's joe kelly uh, there's another guy called shane benzi who has a website called running reborn uh he's very good i think i think you sign up you can sign up to his like yearly subscription for all his online videos and stuff something like 30 pounds or something they they're people who you know if you want to get a taste for it you could you could look at their websites uh, but generally if you're just going to google good running form and then take some tips and go out and try them you're you're almost certainly going to cause yourself more problems than you started with uh, and i i went on a very long journey of doing exactly that i started running in minimalist shoes I did actually have a knee problem, which, which it did get rid of my knee problem, but it caused me really bad Achilles problems, uh, and that's quite a common story. A lot of people will start this minimalist running, and it'll get rid of one injury, but it'll cause another, and I basically, when you change your running form, your body is doing what it's doing for a particular reason. It's trying to get you, you know, you're telling it to move this speed, and it's doing it the way the only way, the way it feels is, is most able to do it. And so, if you start messing with that, you're just going to move move the problem around. Like, and and a lot of it comes from your body not functioning properly. So, a lot of what I do and and these guys do is not so much telling you how to run, but waking up. Like, like I mean, the classic one is your glutes is like your bum, basically is is where movement begins, running movement. And right. yet, we a lot of people glute glute muscles are just not used except for sitting down. So they're not really working. So if your glutes aren't working, your core collapses, then your shoulders come up to create stability. And before you know it, you're running in this very strange way, yeah. which I, we would all recognize, kind of almost like you're sitting down while you're running, your shoulders yeah. are up, your arms are up. Yeah, and, yeah uh, I've seen that a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then if you just tell that person, oh, drop your arms, pull your bum in, That's just going to cause them problems because they have to run like that because their body's not working. And so I would say, if you just want to run a couple of times a week, I mean, I would do some other fitness, like, well, there's a whole series of drills you can do. But again, you know, someone who's going to run twice a week, are they really going to bother? Are they, Mm. you know, I don't want to put people off running. I think, even if you're struggling, it's still, you're still getting a lot of the benefits of it. If you then feel like, oh, I've got to do all these, running drills. I can't be bothered with that. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Uh, so it's, so it's, it's a kind of tricky one. And I, I I generally say if people come to me and they're like a very casual runner and they say, Oh, how do I run better? I generally say just that, don't worry about it. Just get some good shoes, running shoes with lots of protection and, you know, and, and enjoy your running. But then if you want to take it to that next level, if you want to run a marathon, or you want to break your 10k time, well okay well now now if you're willing to put in maybe a couple of hours a week just on running form well now we're talking about something different here now maybe you do need to look at maybe doing some gym sessions or some drills and working on your running form with someone like Shane Benzie running reborn or you know so 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 it's a double-edged Question basically depends how serious you are because if you can't, you can't just half heartedly do it. Basically, no, of course, I that's probably like anything, isn't it? It's mm. yeah, how far
0: do you want to take something? You yeah. know, um, you've just nicely led me to an opportunity to once again drop music into an episode, which I do pretty much every time, no matter the subject. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me what think someone got? asked me the other day genuinely about picking up an acoustic guitar, and they were like, oh, what should I learn? And I said, well, it depends. Exactly like that, like, how far do you yeah. want to take it? Yeah. Do you want to become, like, a master virtuoso, in which case I can send you stuff that you teachers. or do you just want to learn a few chords and, you know, sing around a yeah. campfire, in which case, yeah. here's a book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's nice for running, I, I think. Sorry, I just had to, just for my audience. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they love it. With um, With running, though, it's funny. It's something that I think all of us try at one time or another, You know, we all have that moment, I think, in our lives when we want to get into fitness. And it's one of those first things that we all think to do is, "I'll just put on some shoes and I'll start running. So, do you sort of, do you, I guess, from all your travels and all your experiences, do you think there's a reason why it's sort of so, I guess, almost like instinctive for us to try it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in some ways there are very few sports that are, You know, like we're not we're not designed to cycle. Cycling is a modern invention. We're not designed to play golf. You know, we didn't we didn't come. Our bodies are not designed to play golf. We're designed. My friend, barefoot athlete, I was talking about. He says we're designed to run, jump, climb, and punch. Yeah. (laughs) Like in terms of so so climbing is a is a natural sport, running, jumping, and and boxing basically fighting any kind of fighting. They're the kind of primal sports, and so I guess. The easiest one of those to do, climbing, it's a bit scary. Punching, you need, is a bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Jumping, well, it's just, well, what am I going to jump over or under? But running is, is just, yeah, it's just, there is a primal feeling of running. I mean, kids run, we've all run as kids. So it's something we've all done, uh, you know, unless, unless you've, you know, obviously got a, you know, a disability or, or something, but from, you know, most people have run at some point, they know what it is, they know how to do it. It's easy, it's accessible, isn't it? You just, even if your trainers aren't running trainers, you can go for a few runs, just see how you feel. You don't even need special clothes. You don't even need shoes if you've got tough feet. So yeah, it's accessible, you can do it. You don't have to meet anybody else. You don't have to time it with anybody else. You don't have to arrange it. You just sneak out the door day and night, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's it, yeah, I can see why it's it's one of the the most obvious things to try. And then I think what happens is a lot of people. Some people obviously hate it, and that's fair <laughs> enough. You know, so I know I know people who just. My wife being one of them, she just uh, just doesn't enjoy it. Just it kind of gives her headaches, and and just it's weird because some people who can be quite sporty, quite athletic, just don't enjoy running. But I'd say a lot of people probably, and I also I think we have these bad memories from school when we were forced to go out running. A lot of people, yeah, uh, like you're forced to go out on a wet afternoon to do cross country and for some reason it doesn't come as an actually to uh, that particular age when you you're kind of first sent out to do that when you're about twelve, thirteen, I think, is probably the age when you're least uh willing to do. It. Just you just
0: give me Vietnam style flashbacks. I have to Yeah admit. there you go. Just, exactly. I'm just like,
1: <laughs> like oh no I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we all have to get over that a little bit. And I think people are surprised actually in later in life when actually actually I Actually quite enjoyed that. And, and there's a quite a nice post run feeling you get. Even after a couple of miles around the block, you kind of come home and you think, yeah, oh, I'm quite pleased with myself. I just actually did two miles. I'm quite, you know. And so that that grows. And then some for some people it becomes quite addictive. That feeling, that uh, post-run feeling, particularly of you know, there's all science behind it. It fires all sorts of things in your brain and the endorphins and everything. That yeah. Is is the feel-good you know, chemical in your brain and you come back. And I think that's because your body wants to be active. So it's kind of rewarding you. It's kind of encouraging you. It needs to be active. It needs to stay fit because in, in its in design, it is designed to be able to, put, you know, be ready in case you know, a saber tooth tiger suddenly appears. You've got to be able to <laughs> no. run. And it sense you're not, you're not using me. I want to be used. You know, you, you, we need to be ready.
0: Yeah, I suppose uh, we've got all those functions, haven't we, that, like you said, yeah. the body's doing all of those amazing things. And if you just sat down all day, there's probably thousands, if not millions of different things that aren't being used or aren't living up to their full potential. Yeah,
1: yeah. And over the years, that can be, can totally change your body. And then, and then the longer you don't use it, then obviously the harder it is to then start, you know, getting out and running. And obviously some people who've left it have not exercised at all for many years they find it even harder than than someone who's kind of kept fit i mean even if you haven't run most sports involve a bit of running so you're kind of involved in it in some way
0: yeah that's true and you know that that's the wonderful thing i think about exercise or sports You like you said everyone can find i think something that they like um yeah. my wife's funny enough my wife's really got into cycling um just right. behind me there's a little spin bike and she does that <laughs> like every day and loves yeah. it personally i'm not a fan of been um probably more of a weights guy but i have i have done running as well and actually all the things that you said have i thought yeah that's so true actually like that like you said that positive feeling the endorphins sometimes i imagine as well being out in the fresh air
1: yeah
0: nothing beats that does it
1: yeah that's true i mean there's it's interesting actually the treadmill there's a there's an interesting book by a guy called vibar Creon, and where he uh He looks into the history of the treadmill and the treadmill was actually invented as a as a punishment in prisons (laughs) because that makes so much sense (laughs) it's quite interesting it's because they were getting the prisoners to do manual labor right Uh, you know i don't know i mean the classic is breaking rocks but whatever they were having sending them out to work as a punishment but then they were realizing they're coming back at the end of the day with this Kind of sense of satisfaction from physically working all day, and they're like, "Well, that's no good. We've got to find something that makes them work, but doesn't satisfy them in any way." <laughs> so, <laughs> so they invented treadmills. So you were running, but you weren't going anywhere. You weren't achieving anything. There was no satisfaction to it. You are just running on 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 a on, a, on, a, on the spot. So so right. it's definitely. I feel. I mean, I've rarely. I've run on a treadmill so rarely that actually it's got such a novelty factor. I've always quite enjoyed it because I've done it like three times, but. For people who run a lot, I know most people would much prefer to run outside if they, if they can. You know, Sometimes if you live in the middle of a busy city, it can be a bit more difficult. But yeah, the fresh air is part of the appeal, I'm, I'm pretty sure
0: yeah I mean, that, that, everything you've just said about the treadmill that that explains so much <laughs> i've never been a fan myself so i could use that yeah. now for for pt in the future ever tries to get me yeah. on one and be like
1: no no this yeah. you know
0: this is punishment for prisoners i'm not having yeah. it <laughs>
1: exactly no, all the all the hardware yeah. with none of the satisfactions
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose like yeah it's It is pretty much like the antithesis of everything that you've researched and studied. It's, (laughs) I can't imagine any of the Japanese or Kenyan runners would be the same if all they had was a treadmill. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why they need to stick a TV on it, isn't it? To kind of, yeah. Otherwise, it's just completely monotonous and, yeah, no
0: joy at all. I'm curious, how have you found them for yourself? um, Doing all of these events, you know, starting out with running with the Kenyans to doing these you know exploring these long relay races to ultra running uh, has running got easier for you doing all of that uh,
1: yeah definitely I mean so I've been through this journey with my running form and although I had initially had some setbacks uh, I I definitely run in a more efficient easy way so I can I can basically run faster with less effort which is great nice. and it feels nicer uh, you know it's still not perfect I'm still not quite looking like a Kenyan I don't think when I'm running by but a bit better than I was Uh, and I yeah I was like I was training two or three times a week before I mean I'm not I'm not like anyway near the peak where I was I think after I got back from Japan so I've been to Kenya and then Japan and then I was I was really running like six seven sometimes twice a day at that point and wow ran some pretty fast times at like 10 k's and half marathons and did a decent marathon uh so yeah so that got to a point where i was a lot lighter it just it felt good but it is a kind of constant effort i think it, in terms of i still i still when i was doing the ultra running and I, like, i'd done all these races and still when the alarm for an early morning round would go off at like five in the morning i remember i'd always have this thought what, what, what am I doing? Why am I pretending I like running? I hate running. Go back to bed. <laughs> I'm not a runner. I've just been pretending all this time. And I force myself out and I go, this is stupid. I should just give up this facade. I hate running. And I go, put my shoes on and, I go, oh. and then and then start the run. Everything's creaking and it's cold. And then within five minutes, I go. actually, no, I quite like this. And then by the end, finish. I go, how could I not have done that? That was the best thing. I'm so happy I did that. I loved every minute of it a big breakfast. I'm like, happy, and I, the number of times I went through that process, just I kind of made myself laugh. You know, I I start telling myself I don't even like running. Still, to you know, this, if my alarm goes early, it's it's just this battle in my head. This is a this is a big facade. You hate running, admit it. <laughs>
0: I think that's understandable i'm, I'm i can yeah. tell from that you're clearly not a morning person um yeah. you know neither am i if it makes you feel any better i'm still the well, same if i have to wake up early for work just like, yeah.
1: oh. <laughs> what yeah, definitely. I like and then and then for the ultra running i had to like part of the preparation sometimes to fit it in like these really long like six hour runs around yeah. my family and everything i always had my alarm was going on a winter's day at four in the morning Ooh. to go off running and you know it just felt like the middle of the night and it just felt ridiculous but even on those ones once only five minutes into the run you could be in the dark on a i live near the coast so we're running along the coast path in the dark just you know maybe this beginning of lightning in the sky it only takes five minutes and i'm like oh i'm loving this but still i could never remember that when i'm <laughs> yeah. i had to kind of just yeah just fight myself out the door
0: yeah, well, that sounds like it for anyone listening, then that that's uh—that's obviously the biggest hurdle, is you've got yeah. to push through those first five minutes, get yourself exactly. out there.
1: Exactly. That's the hardest bit.
0: Do you listen to anything when you're, you're running? Because I know this is a bit of a debated topic in the communities, it yeah. seems.
1: Yeah, yeah, you either do or you don't. I actually almost never do. Um, okay. I find... So, in part, partly, initially, I just liked the idea that I didn't. I was, I've always felt like you know the the real runners don't listen to music. That's for people who don't really like running, so they're bored, so they want to listen to right. something. But then I started getting quite into the idea, so I tried it a few times, and I really like music. So you know, I've made, I've got quite excited making playlists for my runs and stuff. Uh, but what I find is when I get quite tired and I start listening to music, it just becomes another thing I'm having to deal with. It's almost like. Like someone keep nudging me or something it's like something else oh. i'm having to think about and i so each time i did it i took the headphones off and it was like a relief it was like oh i can just run again now and I, you know it was almost like i was having to do equations or something while i was running for some reason i mean mm. i've always been someone who when music's on i have to listen to it you know if music's on in a room and people are talking yeah I kind of gets slightly like who's listening to me is anyone you know aware of this music and,
0: oh, i do that all the time actually yeah. uh my darling wife abigail's this will probably listen to this <laughs> if it gets very frustrated with me yeah. uh doing that to no end whether it's a tv whether it's music whether it's yeah if there's any other sound, on the same i, I just tune yeah. into it and I'm just like yeah. sorry what was that yeah
1: exactly. turn it off <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry <laughs> so i can't just let it wash over me like maybe some you know some yeah. people can have the music on and they're not really paying attention to it or the tv so i yeah. guess I'm, I'm kind of tuning into it but then i feel like I'm trying to run. I don't know if I'm just not used to it, but yeah. So I, I, I never do, and I'm, I'm quite happy not having tried it. I always thought I should try it, and I did that. And uh, yeah, so I just, I just the thoughts are just going. My thoughts just when you're running, I just, let, you know, you're, depends. If I'm running a hard run where I'm really pushing it, then my thoughts are completely focused on on what I'm doing and the running, and I quite like that. I quite like really brings you into the moment you know, you're completely present with what you're doing. And then if you're on an easy run where you're not really you're not stressing too much, which is probably when I would listen to music if I was going to, I find I just like letting my thoughts wander. Just, you know, they, I come up with ideas and thoughts and plans and go over things and I I quite I quite value that time, just letting the thoughts, you know, have free reign. Cause I guess especially you know most of the day you're kind of plugged into, you know social media or, or you know your work or yeah. other people all sorts of things and and so it's quite good thinking time i find running
0: yeah that sounds it sounds almost like a meditative a meditative state in a way yeah
1: yeah yeah it can that's be really i mean cool. in some ways i think the harder running is almost more meditative because that's really concentrated but that that drifting thought yeah i think I, I have a lot of ideas for you know articles and books and things I do, you know, my running counts and just general stuff in my life, I guess, when I when I'm running. So it's just trying to remember them is the problem when, you, <laughs> when you're when you out running. I never bring a phone to record them because part of I'm trying to get away from my phone. So, But they usually come back if they're good ideas, I think they'll come back.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that I, I can relate. Yeah, you get ideas for things. You know, I have no way of writing or recording this, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me I was listening to one of your earlier shows where you talked to John Ronson. Oh, yeah. um, I absolutely love him. I think his books are brilliant. Yeah. Um, And he told that story about how he tried to write something down and then ended up like smashing his face into <laughs> yeah. <tree or> it. <laughs> it was very yeah. funny. I thought, poor guy. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's yeah. the other risk, I suppose. Yeah, I would have actually stopped, I think, to to write it down. <laughs> it was yeah. carried on money. <laughs>
0: Lesson learned, I guess. Um, yeah. that's really cool. So um, I'm I'm curious, and uh, what what's next for you then in terms of your adventures with running? Have you got another book or another idea on the horizon?
1: Uh, I've got lots of ideas, uh, kind of up in the air at the moment. So nothing, nothing fixed at the moment. Uh, and obviously, it's quite a good time for nothing to be fixed with uh, a lot of uncertainty about. But, uh, but yeah, I know I've got my running camps. The, the podcast is quite new, so I'm just getting quite into that at the moment. And uh, I was originally trying to run with and and interview all the guests in person, uh, but obviously that went out of the window. And in a way, that opened up a lot of potential for guests in other countries, and because I was kind of keeping it local initially. Uh, so yeah, that, that's been fun. But yeah, I, I I kind of I'm in talks with my agent and publishers about doing another book but i've got no idea which I, i've had about 10 ideas and they're they're mulling them over at the moment so I, w- I won't go through them all because most of them if if any of them might not happen so
0: well that's okay we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye out on what you uh what you're going to bring out in the future mm-hmm. uh, is, is there anything else you wanted to comment on then with with running Because i feel like you've covered a lot of ground there's a lot of really i think personally fascinating stuff i've learned and i'm sure yeah. my audience would agree
1: yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's, you know, there's all sorts of other topics. But I think, yeah, I feel like I probably talked enough.
0: <laughs> no, it's cool. It's hey, you make my job so much easier. And that this is what it's all about. It's all about yeah. hearing from other people. And yeah. yeah, I feel like I've learned so much. So thank you so much for giving me your time.
1: Yeah, it's fun.
0: I, I guess all that's left then is where can the good people find you?
1: Yeah, so my website is com So that originally was website for my running camps and then became the podcast and I thought well I better say who I am and so it's kind of grown into my website I am, I am doing my own author website at the moment but at the moment everything is on thewayoftherunner.com. So the way of the runner.com so the podcast is called the way of the runner as well so yeah and my name is pretty pretty much unique as far as I can tell I'm pretty much the only End in the world so if you <laughs> spell my name you can find me basically <laughs>
0: I'll uh, I'll have it spelled out in the show notes for for people to help. (laughs) And I'll link to all of that.
1: Yeah, you know, Twitter and uh, Instagram, I'm just a Darren and it's it's pretty easy to find me.
0: Brilliant. And again, I'll I'll link to all of those. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Darren and for coming onto the podcast and sharing your insights into the world of running. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation and I hope you, dear listener, did as well. If you want to hear more from Adanand, which of course you do, then by all means check out the links below. I've got everything from his social medias, his books, uh, his website. You can find everything on there. As I said in the show, I have got one of his books queued up on Audible. I'd highly recommend you do the same, or if you want the printed edition, then again, check the links in the description. If you are enjoying the podcast, then by all means reach out to me. You can find me on social media. I am at Fundamentals Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Links in the description of the podcast. And if you are feeling generous enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, then by all means tell me because you will have earned a shout-out on the show. It really is the least that I can do. A massive thank you, though, to every single one of you who's been checking out the show, who's subscribed, who's been telling a friend. It all means so much to me. I cannot thank you enough. I'll be back again in a few weeks' time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject. So until then, stay tuned and stay safe.